Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to this episode of Believe in Sparks on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Sydney Weiss, and here is Stacy Pace. Thank you so much, Sid. Such a special season for many, many reasons. While the WNBA and the WNBPA launch a new platform, the justice movement, to amplify voices and leadership of WNBA players. That's been the mission since day one of this year's WNBA season. In addition to games, IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida, will also host programming to connect players with each other and their community. On this episode of Believe in Sparks on the Believe Podcast Network, L.A. County Public Health Director Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Head Coach Derek Fisher, and MVPs Candace Parker and Neka Gumake discuss the pandemic, other ways we can protect our health, and social justice initiatives. The work of the Social Justice Council is led by our own T.R. Ruffin-Pratt, Satu Sabali, and many others. The mission of the Social Justice Council is to be a driving force of necessary and continuing conversations. This is one of those conversations. This is real life. Um, I think, you know, of course, like anything, there's always a plan. And then Candace and I talked about this in the offseason. Like there's, you know, you have a plan until adversity hits and then the plan goes out the window and you just have to adjust and adapt and survive and figure it out. So, um, you know, to say all of that, we, we definitely want to express how thankful we are for this opportunity to to have this conversation with the real star of this roundtable, Dr. Barbara Ferrer. Um, you know, we people watch TV now. They used to watch me. They watch Candace and NECA now. And, uh, you know, the players and athletes oftentimes get uh, a lot of publicity and notoriety for their accomplishments on the court. But I think if anything that has taken place during uh, this pandemic, and during the battles that we're fighting in social justice, et cetera, um, what I hope, and, and I know that Candace and Necker believe this as well, is that the real heroes and stars and, and, and the people that really do the hard work um, are folks like yourself, uh, Dr. Ferrer. And we're thankful for you and your efforts and the team that you have there at LA County Department of Public Health. Uh, we are glad and, and, and blessed, honestly, to be in a position where what we do for a living creates a platform uh, that allows for us to to speak to things, to bring more awareness to conversations. Uh, hopefully, that you know more people that uh, are watching and listening tonight, uh, just due to the game of basketball, not because we know what you know, but that basketball and sports sometimes finds a way to bring people together that other things uh, may not do. And so we're really excited to, to have this discussion and conversation. And we honestly want to we want to follow your lead, but we want to set you up for success as much as we possibly can. Uh, so there are going to be times where we are literally just listening and you're going to have to get our attention to come back in and talk. Uh, but please know that we are here to support you and your efforts, uh, because we know that L.A. And, and our fans and the people back there are relying so much on you and your team uh while we're here in florida trying to do our thing on the court it, it pales in comparison to what you and your team are doing so thank you so much so very much uh we are honored and excited to be here and, um you know i know that the season has for us has started out um you know positively on the court but we're still carrying the seriousness of everything that's going on in this world around us uh with covid with social justice and injustice and uh, this season is different. Um, it's unlike any other sports season uh, that any of us have experienced where players and athletes are not just being encouraged, but supported in major ways to speak the truth about how they feel and about the things that are important to them in their communities um, and to be women of color and people of color uh, and, and have these conversations around health. Um, and when we think about uh, racial injustice, we think about police brutality, we think about very specific things, but oftentimes our health uh, is is really where it starts. And that's what we plan to really touch on tonight in terms of tobacco and COVID-19. And again, you're the expert here. Uh, I'm just using a bunch of words to set this all up to make you, <laughs> to put you on the stage to perform. Um, and, you know, I want to turn it over to Candice to 
you know, expand on her thoughts and how this has all impacted her and, and her family and, you know, how we're all working together to, again, try and be as supportive as possible to you, to LA County Department of Public Health. And, you know, we're all one big team. So um, CP, I'll, I'll turn it over to you to share some thoughts and uh, we can keep the conversation rolling. Well, Dr. Ferrer, thank you so much. Um, it is such a pleasure to be uh, on this on this important call to you. I think it's so important um, for everybody to understand that although we are, like Derek said, in the wobble playing basketball, that was so important for us to not use it as an escape, but use it to bring be able to bring awareness to what's going on within our communities. Being a part of the WNBA is so special because I do feel like we have been on the forefront of change, not just in social justice issues, but also with public health, um, being within the communities and, and listening and, and getting out and um, getting to know the people and getting to know our fans. And that's what's been so important as uh, our president joins us Um I think it's so important for everybody to understand that as a young kid, when I was growing up, anything, I grew up in the Chicagoland and anything the Bulls did, I wanted to do. Michael Jordan could have told me, he could have sold me anything and I would have done it. And I think that that now athletes are understanding that we have to utilize our platform uh, to not just sell shoes, but also to, to bring information to people, to, to inform individuals and to talk about tough topics. And this year in 2020 has been having conversations, having uncomfortable conversations and making sure that everybody's okay. And um, that goes with just along the lines within our partnerships. You talk about COVID-19, but you talk about anti-smoking, you talk about um, anti-vaping, uh, you talk about, you know, Neko Gumake is gonna talk about, you know, social injustice. But I think for me, just coming in as a mom, uh, what's going on in 2020, and just having those conversations. And you've had to have the conversation with all of Los Angeles. So I think I just wanna know first and foremost, um, you know, where do we stand at this point in time? Um, the pop and, and also things that we need to watch out for. Yeah, I mean, thank you so much. I'm so honored to be with all of you and, and really appreciate the invitation. But mostly I, I also wanna thank you because um, I know we're going to be talking about uh, COVID-19 today, but you've always been a partner and a leader here in LA County on justice issues, uh, racial justice issues, uh, fighting for uh, health equity. You know, the campaign that we've had and partnered with you goes way back um, around making sure that people understood uh, how important it was to, to note um, the the travesty that's happening in our communities around selling us products that are killing us. Um, and, and you've taken a really firm stand around uh, both uh, giving out really good information, but I also think challenging uh, the way resources are distributed so that some people uh, don't have what they need to be healthy. Uh, and that includes the marketing that happens in some communities. You, you can't uh, but notice the difference between advertising in some communities for dangerous products like vaping products or tobacco products uh, and the absence of that advertising in wealthier communities. And, and that's an injustice um, that contributes way more than the individual behaviors that people do. Um, that's, that's the real injustice is that some of our communities help us uh, so that we can be optimally healthy and some of our communities don't. And I want to just thank you all for your courage to stand up uh, for what's really going on. And uh, unfortunately, like COVID-19, it's just all playing out with COVID-19. And the issue around racial justice, fighting against racism, against police brutality, uh, really, I, I like to connect the dots. Uh, those are the very same issues that affect the disproportionality we see uh, with COVID-19. Here in LA County, we've been hard hit as a county, but really the people who have been hard hit have been black and brown people in LA County. Uh, black and brown people, higher rates, two to two and a half times higher rates of COVID-19, and most unfortunately, uh, dying at uh, somewhere between one and a half and two and a half times the rates of uh, a white residents uh, here in, in the county. And, and that's not because people uh, behave in a way that put them more at risk. That's because the people who had to go to work back in February and March and April, and we had no idea how easily COVID was spread uh, through asymptomatic people were people of color. 
Um, our central workforce didn't have protections. We weren't telling people to wear face coverings and they got exposed at super high rates because they went and did their jobs. The very jobs that kept everybody else able to function in the early days of COVID-19. Uh, we've learned a lot, you know, here in LA County, uh, we have an effort that's rooted in sort of fighting for, for justice and racial justice, economic justice, that says as a health department, we have an obligation to make sure that people who have to go to work, go to workplaces that are safe. And when we issue our health officer orders, they're not recommendations. We don't say, you know, here, you're a business, please do this, or you could choose. We say, no, here are the things you have to have in place if you're gonna be open so that workers can be safe and customers can be safe and visitors can be safe. But the real issue for us that I think is spreading uh, the disproportionality is around not protecting the workers that have to go to work. Um, and that then results in more spread in some communities than in others and ultimately has led to skyrocketing, devastating death rates uh, right now in the Latino community and in uh, African-American community, uh, also Pacific Islander, uh, Native Hawaiian communities. All communities that face enormous oppression and racism on a day-to-day -day basis that also has put them at higher risk for dying from just about every disease that we track, you know, particularly for Black uh, and angelinos, like they uh, disproportionately die from everything, uh, you, you name it. Um, and because of this, the impact of racism, both on opportunities and resources that you may have access to, and the impact of racism because it's a chronic stressor has really made it almost impossible for us to talk about uh, creating a healthy communities if we don't talk about fighting against racism. So, you know, we stand with you deeply appreciative of all you're doing and your leadership. Um, you know, we want to help um, and we want to be part of that struggle uh, for justice. I know it's a, a large question and that's part of what we want to talk about tonight are some of the kind of common sense things. How, how do we start to chip away at some of the things that you're speaking to? Um, it It sounds really really big right and overwhelming in a lot of ways and i think for people of color we oftentimes like we hear the statistics we hear the thoughts we want to make change for ourselves we're not only relying on what other people want to do but we want to do things ourselves how do we in our communities begin to do the things that we can control from a health perspective how can we, um, you know, we can't control other people's thoughts about race, but how can we better care for ourselves in terms of health at this moment? Well, I have just one one thing that we can start to do um, to, you know, protect ourselves in terms of our health as we navigate uh, this pandemic and, and where things are heading. Yeah, thanks so much, Coach Fisher. Um, you might not like my answer, but um, I'm going to say organize. I'm going to say organize for justice. Like, I I know like people expect me to to talk about um, how people have to eat healthy and how people have to exercise and and those are important, but you can't really eat healthy if you don't have access to affordable healthy food. Um, so if you live in a what we call a food desert or junk desert. Um, that's like, it's like asking people to do something that's just almost impossible. And I, I would let, rather not waste my time with that. Like, um, I do think it's important for people to have agency, but right now I think the call is to organize for justice um, because everybody needs the resources uh, to be healthy, to live in healthy communities. It, it's, not, it's not fair and it's not right that um, people of color disproportionately live in communities that have higher rates of pollution that are next to gas and oil fields, um, that have, um, you know, um, I don't know, uh, not good places for people to walk, um, not good sidewalks, not good walking routes, don't have access to good public transportation, don't have safety uh, in their neighborhood so they can go outside if there's a park, don't have the same number of beautiful parks uh, where they can play and their children can play. Um, so, you know, I would just start by saying, like, if there's one thing that I think we can do right now 
it's organized and join with other people that are going to be leading the charge uh, to fight against injustices, particularly against racism. You know, it's it's a system that was created, you know, primarily uh, by white people so that, you know, we would have a certain set of privileges. Uh, it oppresses lots of other people, uh, but it's a made up system. It's a created system. It's not the natural order of law like we can dismantle it but it would take a lot of organizing um, for us to get there. And, uh, and I think it's the time is now. Like, um, you know, I can tell you like for COVID-19, what are some strategies immediately that we need to do so that uh, black and brown people start, stop dying disproportionately from COVID-19. But at the same time that we do that, we have to stay focused on this, on the long-term goal, uh, which is to really fight against this injustice. Um, you know, short term, even even for COVID-19, it's about where are the resources, you know, can people get tested? You know, you can't really take care of yourself for COVID-19. You can't protect the people you love if you don't have access to testing. So we got to make sure everyone who needs to get tested can easily get tested, that there are no barriers for that testing. And the county's doing a much better job. Um, you know, Dr. Galley, who heads up uh, Department of Health Services, has put many more sites into uh, communities uh, that were hardest hit so that people will have easier access. But we also have to help our healthcare providers, our trusted healthcare providers. They've been hard hit by the economics of COVID-19. And we have to make sure they're getting their PPE, they're getting uh, funding so that they can open their doors again. So that the places where people are comfortable going for care uh, can open back up and provide that high quality community care. Uh, and then we have to make sure that um, people have the resources that they need if they need to isolate or quarantine. You know, at the heart of what we do at public health is we try to say, let's find people who are positive, let's talk to them, let's help them, what we call isolate, stay away from other people, and then let's find all their close contacts so that their close contacts can also quarantine. That's the way we stop having so much spread. But it's a lot easier to isolate and quarantine if you live in a big house, everyone has their own bedroom and their own bathroom, than it is to isolate and quarantine if you live in a house with many, many people and everyone's sharing rooms. So we have an obligation, you know, from the public health department, from the county, we gotta find ways for everyone who needs to isolate and quarantine to be able to do so. We have to get those resources. We have hotel rooms right now uh, where people can go and they can stay for the isolation and quarantine. We need to make sure that people who are losing their incomes. We tell people, if you're a close contact, 14 days, you gotta stay home. That's fine for someone like me. I get paid, I have sick leave, I have sick leave. We have so many workers that do not get paid when they're sick. So they don't wanna have to stay home. They're not even sick at all. And I'm telling them, you need to stay home. You might get sick someday over the next 14. That's a hard ask if you can't help people with economic security, make sure people aren't gonna lose their jobs in some places you don't show up, you're out. Um, so we have to like have workers' rights on this. We have to work with our labor partners. We have to have worker health councils because we've got to protect workers so that they got the resources that they're going to need so that they don't end up in this horrible place where they may infect others because they have no choice because there's no money that's going to come in if they stay home for those 14 days. Uh, so yeah. we have to be real about what we're asking people to do to, to fight against the virus uh, and then create that safety now. Well, I love your answer, first and foremost. <laughs> you said I might not like it, but, but okay. those are an amazing answer. A lot of things overlap in that answer. So uh, NECA, I know, is ready to um, to really add her thoughts to this conversation. Uh, we all enjoy hearing uh, NECA's thoughts and as Candace mentioned, the president of the, the WNBPA and uh, NECA. Deep honor to meet you, NECA. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. Um, I ask a lot of questions. So that's, that's, that's Coach's nice way of saying that I ask a lot of questions. But I just want to thank you, Dr. Here, as I kind of jumped into the conversation around you know COVID and how it, it is affecting everyone and how it's also disproportionately affecting everyone. Um, I, I, it brought me back to when I was in quarantine in my own house comfortably, and um, I was having conversations with my family about COVID-19 and, you know, on the news, everyone spoke about how it's the great equalizer. And I quickly realized as I sat in my own home, I mean, 
my parents had their own home to quarantine in. My sister had her own place. And I realized, you know, I, I had a certain privilege as well as you're speaking to um, in this in this entire pandemic. You know, it it's not required of me to physically go anywhere to still be able to make money. And um, I'm not necessarily an essential worker that needs to be out there. Um, but also too, as we speak about what people thought was a great equalizer, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, the the information that we now have um, surrounding kind of what we're also here to talk about as far as um, how tobacco also disproportionately affects um, black and brown communities. And, you know, we know now that it's one of the three leading causes of death among African-Americans and there's a higher percentage of black adults who smoke starting um, using menthol cigarettes than uh, white adults who smoke and also how tobacco companies also overtly target um, you know, black communities and communities of color and kind of have racial strategies and trying to figure out how they can um, generate more income in these communities. And it just had me thinking about how, you know, the pandemic is shedding light on things that people probably did not know before, um, people were not experiencing before. And I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on how outside of the pandemic, how we can work together to kind of, I guess, provide more resources, provide more education, provide more awareness for those communities that are being affected by things that aren't even directly affected to COVID-19 as we speak about, um, you know, no smoking, no vaping and, and, and trying to quit. Yeah, thank you, Nick. I think those are, those are brilliant and tough questions um, because I think at the heart of this is sort of this recognition that one of the reasons why there's so much disproportionality in the death rates for COVID-19 is that many of our black and brown friends and neighbors and loved ones um, also have higher rates of underlying health conditions. And, you know, oftentimes I talk to people and they're like, yeah, you know, people have underlying health conditions. They, you know, they're not taking care of themselves. Uh, they're smoking too much. They're drinking too much. And I think you have to ask the question, um, who's marketing unhealthy products uh, in our communities? Um, and what are they gaining out of that? And it's so much easier to go like to a bodega or a small corner store um, where you know the owner is gonna have fewer resources and insist that in exchange for uh, being able to stock up on their products uh, and get a refrigerator from them, they have to put signs up at eye level selling an unhealthy product, either a tobacco product or sugary beverages or vaping products, but th that's intentional. Um, and it really preys on sort of the economics that are at work in communities with less resources that have had less investment. Like how outrageous is it that, um, you know, the supplier is controlling all this advertising. But if you talk to a lot of the bodegas and the mom and pop stores, they'll tell you, like they don't, they don't get a choice in this. If they want the benefits, then the advertising and the placement in their stores of these things that are unhealthy have to be in places where they're going to be very visible and easily seen. Um, I don't, you know, I'm relatively new to LA. I've, I've only been here a, a few years, um, but I lived in Boston for a while and we had like two equally long stretches. You know, one was called like Blue Hill Ave in the heart of you know, Rockbury and Dorchester. And then there was um, Center Street in the heart of like Jamaica Plain and West Roxbury. And you could drive the same like distance, you know, drive two or three miles on either one of those, uh, you know, sort of neighborhood throughways, um, you know, streets. And on Blue Hill Ave, you would see ad after ad after ad of unhealthy stuff, uh, lots of alcohol outlets and lots of like, uh, you know, um, fried food, you know, fast food. You go the same two, three miles in, you know, Jamaica Plain, West Roxbury, communities with larger populations of people who are white and have more resources. And you didn't see any of that. Um, so, you know, I always say like, it's really hard uh, if what your options are in your neighborhood uh, are options that pr promote unhealthy lifestyles and, uh, and really push you to uh, sort of have easy access to things that we know aren't great, uh, it, it's hard to rely on 
sort of, you know, calling on people to be resilient. I'm not really in favor of resilience. I'm in favor of taking away sources of oppression. And I don't believe you tell people like they need to buck it up and get themselves together. I think you need to take away the sources of oppression, the sources of unfairness. You need to like, in some ways, create communities that really foster good health. And then I think it's much easier for people to do the things that actually are gonna you know, help them. But I think in the absence of community resources, it's really hard. And, and I do appreciate you know, uh, what this is amounted to, like in LA, Boston, is uh, really poor health outcomes overall uh, for people who are black, African-American. Uh, you know, uh, much higher rates of diabetes, much higher rates of heart disease, black babies in LA County died at about three times the rate of, of white babies. Uh, black women uh, die at about four to six times. Uh, uh, they die of, uh, in childbirth or in childbirth-related complications, four to six times the rate for other people. This isn't because people aren't taking care of themselves. This is because people don't have the resources uh, in their communities that promote good health. And we have to like really strip away that narrative that says, you know, this is because people are behaving poorly because that's not getting us anywhere. And it's blaming the people uh, who are having the worst health outcomes when in fact it's the conditions uh, under which they're uh, being asked to live or forced to live that are creating those inequities. And I think it's a hard message, you know, because um, we all want agency and we all want to be able to be in control of our lives, but it's a lot easier to make healthy choices uh, if you have money and you live in a healthy neighborhood than it is if you don't have either of those. You know, I, I talk about COVID-19, you know, we go into a manufacturing plant uh, and uh, we see uh, in the middle of this pandemic when we have been crystal clear about what needs to happen in plants, uh, we see women uh, who are working uh, and uh, while they're, and they have the barrier between them and the next person, because there's not six feet of distance, is a piece of cardboard with a hole cut out in it so that they should be able to quickly, without interruption, send that piecework from one station to another, as opposed to like some other system that would have an impermeable barrier. Cardboard that came off of boxes that they were using because of their supplies. Like nowhere, nowhere was that in line with what the requirements were for that manufacturing plant. And four people died at that plant. Um, so those are that's the kind of intolerable condition um, that, that we just have to make sure doesn't keep happening. Um, there is a lot of community transmission, but you know, our, our factories, our manufacturing plants, they have to actually put in place all the protections that workers have to have. Can't really blame the people for getting sick at that plant. That would be the worst injustice of all. Um, that plant didn't offer them the safety that they needed to do their work uh, with, uh, with less risk uh, for transmission for a virus that, as we know, can be deadly. I know it's depressing, and I'm sorry, but I, it really is an injustice. No, I really appreciate that because I think it's bringing awareness, um, obviously, to things that you don't even think about. And, um, you know, a lot of things that I've thought about during this year in 2020 as a parent, uh, you know, COVID, COVID has affected our household just in, in dealing with that with children that are in school, um, but also just with tobacco and vaping entering into that tween, tween years. I have 11 year old daughter. I know Derek has twins that are going into high school, NECA's older sister um, and, and, and the leader from that standpoint. But just in terms of being a parent and having to deal with these conversations and like you said, the target marketing and making it seem as though vaping is different than tobacco and vaping is different smoking. And um, our team, the last game, we wore shirts that said you know, never stop quitting smoking and just making sure that everybody knows that, you know, if someone they loved, if kids have parents that smoke, there are ways that we as the Sparks are trying to reach out in the community and encourage people to stop smoking, but also just parents trying to prevent their kids from smoking. So if you can speak to all the parents out there that are struggling with these conversations um, with their tweens that think that they know everything. Yeah, there's, um, there's the no way that um, a vaping product that's uh, fruit flavored, 
um, candy flavored, uh, is anything but an insidious marketing tool to get kids addicted to nicotine. Um, and they've made it look cool and they made it sound cool and they marketed it for the last few years as, as a safe alternative to tobacco when in fact it's filled with nicotine at, at rates that it's not even clear when you're, um, when you're vaping exactly how much nicotine you're getting. Uh, but the end result is it addicts children, uh, young children to nicotine products. And uh, it's unfortunate um, that it became, uh, that it was allowed to be marketed so easily. I'd ask a lot of questions about how we weren't able to get our government to put a stop to this. I'd ask a lot of questions about who allows flavored tobacco products of any kind, vaping products, tobacco products, and that includes menthol. These are all products that are meant to disguise the harshness of tobacco. And, uh, and many people wouldn't uh, be taking up smoking or you know, vaping if, they, if the harshness of tobacco or nicotine products wasn't disguised with something that was flavored. Um, so, you know, I think again, for parents, I think it's two things, you know, educate yourself and talk a lot to your, to your young people. I was a high school principal for a long time. Well, not a long time, but a few years. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm well aware of how tempting, um, the marketing strategies can be for, you know, uh, for, for our, for our youth, um, and how glamorous, uh, they make products seem and how they also make children, young people, uh, feel more secure um, if they're participating in an activity that's uh, meant to make them look cool, be cool, act cool, you know, uh, gain stature. But I think, you know, as, as parents, I'm a grandparent now, but as parents, like we all feel like pretty committed, like we want our children to be able to make good decisions. And here I think is an opportunity to help children make good decisions. I think everyone should know like what these tobacco companies are doing, what the motive is here, how much money they make uh, and how they prey on, um, on young people, on people of color, how they market, how they, you know, like goes back like tobacco, like menthol, they used to come into neighborhoods and give away, particularly neighborhoods of color and give away free menthol cigarettes to people. Um, and, uh, with vaping, I don't know if you all remember, like there was a time where they used to try to go to the malls, uh, and give away vaping products. So, you know, this is, this is a multinational corporation, uh, that creates products that kill people. Uh, and, uh, and we should all keep that in mind. Like, uh, people say to me, like, you know, why are you regulating this? Or why do you think that you know, we're, we banned actually all flavored tobacco products in, the unincorporated part of the county <clears throat> and, and our board was very courageous in saying like no there's no reason for flavored tobacco products there just isn't in any way shape or form um and this is a marketing tool and it addicts and destroys people's lives and i want to applaud all of you for your t-shirts for your efforts to educate people for people to really understand how dangerous these products can become and uh, and also with the message that there's always hope you know i say this about uh, you know, substance use disorders, and I say it about nicotine addiction and uh, using tobacco products. You know, it may you may not succeed the first time you try to quit or the second time, but you're absolutely right with the messages that we're here to help you at er for every single time you try to quit. And if it takes two times or 20 times, like we are the world of second, third, fourth, fifth chances. Like that's how we all came up. We all got a lot of chances and we have to hang with people. But I think the most important thing is to prevent young people from starting in the first place uh, and give well, them information. As a parent, um, you know, we've seen during COVID, we're all kind of a part of a team. You know, you have to do your part to ensure that everybody is, is healthy. You have to wear your mask and wash your hands to, to make sure to stop the spread. You know, as a parent, what can I do um, to, to make sure that my child doesn't follow my lead within smoking if I want to quit? Uh, what are some resources that I can reach out to or some things that I can do myself to, to help me quit just for, for my child? Yeah, we, we have a lot of resources. So we have a, a toll-free line 
Um, it's called 1-800-NO-BUTS or 1-800-662-8887. Uh, there's also a website, www.nobuts.org. Uh, you can also text either quit smoking or quit vaping to 66819. Uh, this helpline, I want to note, it, it offers services in six different languages. Uh, they can help someone just counseling on the phone. So you can get support just on the phone, um, set up a quit plan. Um, and, and really importantly right now, uh, they also can help people have access um, to um, free nicotine patches. So for people, you know, oftentimes people like to do both. They like to get an aid uh, to help with the craving for nicotine, but then they also like to be able to talk to people and get some strategies. Um, but I do think you're right, like uh, a motivating factor for so many. I mean, I was a, a heavy smoker when I was younger. A motivating factor is other people and your kids in particular. Um, and, and oftentimes that can really uh, help parents take that first step. Um, so I want to say, you know, the county's got a lot of resources. It's pretty easy to call and get connected. Uh, many of the health plans here also offer cessation uh, support for cessation. Um, so, and because we have high rates of insurance, that's another place that parents can go. If you're, if you have health insurance, most of your plans will offer some services uh, to help people quit smoking. Um, and we applaud everyone who tries. We applaud you for just trying um, because we think it's hard. We know it's hard, um, but we know it makes a difference for your health. Certainly makes a difference uh, for your children. Um, and most importantly, we need everyone to be healthy and strong and part of our struggle to, for justice. So, so please don't let um, tobacco, you know, wreck your health. Um, and, you know, today's the day you could start quitting today. Um, follow the lead of this wonderful team, our LA Sparks, who have sent out this message uh, really all last year, uh, really vocally. And I think showing a lot of leadership about how important it is to, to quit uh, if you are smoking or vaping and then get some support for that and then to help all of us make better decisions um, so that uh, a lot of new people don't start. Well, I know that we couldn't um, take live questions, but um, I'm in charge of leading the questions that were submitted by some fans. Uh, but before I kind of ask Dr. Ferrer these questions, we wanted to also remind everyone that you can figure out how to win a shirt that that we played in against the fever um, by checking out the LA Sparks Instagram and the website. But I'm about to dive into these questions. So um, Dr. Ferrer, Catherine, Catherine Baca would like to know if it's okay to share a basketball court to shoot hoops on. So right now, I mean, I think it depends on where you are in the country. Uh, right now in LA, we're asking you not to share your basketball courts. So it's fine if you have a hoop to yourself uh, and you're playing by yourself. It's also fine if you're playing with your family, your household members. Mm -hmm. uh, we really don't want people right now uh, playing with other, you know, friends or other family members that you don't live with. And the reason is our community transmission rate is too high to open our schools. Uh, and right now, the number one priority for us is to get our kids back to school. And we cannot do that uh, if we keep transmitting the virus at the rate we're transmitting it. So I ask everyone for the next two, three weeks, do everything you can uh, to adhere to our guidance. Uh, please don't share that hoop. We want you to get your exercise, uh, but we want you to do it without infecting other people. And that means staying with your household if you're gonna be uh, with anybody uh, where you're in close contact, uh, less than six feet apart. Always have that face covering on, which we know you can't do when you're playing basketball. So one of the reasons why we say is if you're doing physically exerting exercise, uh, you know, playing ball, you've got to take off that face covering, but then you have to do it by yourself or just with people in your family or your household. And it's not forever. I'm serious. It's really not forever, but we got to get our kids back to school. And that means our rate of community cases has to come way, way down. Yeah, no, thank you for that, Dr. Ferrer. Real quick on as far as from a coaching standpoint with with sports. I know a lot of coaches are scrambling trying to figure out with their not being school, as you just mentioned, um, in-person learning. Coaches are struggling trying to figure out how are they going to work with their young athletes 
to you know stay in condition try and keep certain levels of physical activity and exertion and you know what tips or recommendations do you have like you know we we have five kids in our home and four of them are in sports and their coaches are blowing us up trying to figure out you know how to keep workouts going and as a parent we're you know we're trying to figure out what things are they doing and can they do to keep our kids safe so that we feel comfortable allowing them maybe to to go to a gym to exercise but it's a difficult choice when like yeah. you mentioned our schools aren't open but you have some young athletes that are still trying to figure it's out such how a good to train question so i mean i think the positive news is that we have put out the directives for youth sports and that youth sports are allowed now in la county uh, for a limited set of activities so you can bring your teams back together uh, they have to be physically distanced for all the activities and they have to be no contact um, but they can be skill building and they can be conditioning um, so you know for all practical purposes what this means is and, and everything has to be outside in la county right now we can't we're not allowed indoors for gyms right now or fitness centers so you have to be able to do everything outside but you could in fact have young people conditioning you know sort of doing you know exercises six feet apart if they're not physically exerting themselves, they can keep that face covering on. Uh, you could have uh, children even, I mean, uh, young people even uh, doing the kind of skill building like uh, a batting practice session where it's one person is batting, one person is pitching, and they're staying far apart. Um, they need to clean off their equipment, try not to share as much equipment. The same thing for basketball. If you can't have one person shooting at the hoop. They should have their own basketball when they're done doing their turn at the hoop, somebody else can get on that court and you know do their skill building. So we do want our young athletes to, in fact, get back to being able to play, uh, you know, to build their skills and to condition. It's just there's no team. You know, you can't have a game. You can't have a championship. You can't have an event. You can't bring them together to have like a social event where everyone's gonna have dinner together. Like those things are still not possible. But outdoors, conditioning, fitness, building skills, uh, keep that distance, uh, make sure there's a lot of hand sanitizer around, try to have young people use their own equipment, not share as much equipment as possible. Um, and if they are sharing equipment, just sanitize equipment and hands in between different people using. But conditioning is good, and, and we'd like, again, uh, in this interim period to make sure that uh, young people know that their team, the passion they have for a sport, they can start getting ready uh, for the next season, whenever that's going to start. Doc, you're going to have a lot of young athletes mad at you for saying that conditioning is okay. <laughs> <laughs> conditioning is conditioning and skill building. It's fun. Like we all got to, we got to play our best. We have to be in good shape. So this is the time to get yourself in the best shape possible because it's one thing you're allowed to do. But we do appreciate all the coaches that are out there. I just want to give a big shout out. Uh, they've been sending me a lot of emails this summer. Um, and I'm really glad that, uh, you know, with the state's approval now that we can have youth sports. And, and that includes, even though schools are closed, like high school teams can also do their conditioning and their team building uh, and their uh, skill building. So just, you know, no games, no competitions, no events. Keep six feet apart. No contest really important to for people to recognize at home or that are watching this for you know for NECA and for Candace and all of the players here and us here like even though we're in uh we are together like the amount of hand sanitizer and and wipes and cleaning and mask wearing when we're not on the court um you know we're all in separate rooms now you know we're only with our team uh which has basically become our family here like our small LA Sparks unit has become a family once we clear quarantine. Uh, so even though on TV, you know, you see these women out there competing against the other team, before that and after that, we, we really don't uh, mix with other people at all. And, um, you know, we're very fortunate that everyone is staying safe and healthy and just, you know, hoping that for a few minutes when people get a chance to see us play, um, that we can bring a little bit of uh, joy and, and fun to people's lives while dealing with obviously very serious issues and, and topics at home. Yeah, we, we appreciate all that you're doing. I mean, I know it's not easy to be in a bubble either. 
Um, but we do try to explain to young people in our communities, we're not a bubble. Like we, we can't recreate that bubble. And that's why the rules are a little bit different. Um, so that, you know, we can get to the place where competitive sports starts again. And we just, we, again, we have to take some steps now. You know, this is, this pandemic, um, you know, it's gonna last a while, it has lasted a while, but we're gonna be on the other side of this at some point. I think we get there faster when we all realize like the sacrifices we make right now are to make sure not only that we get to the other side faster, but also that in doing so, we save some people's lives. People have a lot of power right now. They have a lot of power. Choices everyone makes every day uh, really make a difference in uh, how many people are gonna die from COVID-19. So I think you know, we could see this as like, this is, um, you know, so, uh, it feels so out of control, or you could see this as this is an opportunity for every single person uh, to do something really good for other people. And uh, this is this is every the opportunity for every person to matter um, and to make a difference and to save a life. So that's how I like to think about it because I agree with everyone. Like I, you know, we're so sick of our household members and you know this whole you know this whole virus. Like we're done, uh, but the virus isn't done with us, um, and uh, we we just got to stay strong uh, and do the right thing because. Um, that, that's what we've got right now is our ability to help each other and care for each other and love each other, respect each other and wear that face covering. That's the way you show respect. Um, Dr. Fur, I have, I am going to ask the last question just because okay. I, I, I've kind of been asking um, prominent figures in our community this question, especially as 2020 has unraveled as it has. Um, and with the uniqueness around figuring life out again into this new normal, um, especially being in the WNBA, we have always um, prioritized amplifying our voices and using our platforms. And I, I just wanna ask you as it pertains to COVID, health, vaping, smoking, is there anything that we as athletes and even coaches, um, you would like to see more of that we can help to kind of you know, push awareness and education um, as we move forward, obviously, not being able to have you um, at full access all the time, we want to see how we can how we can continue to educate others and truly impact our communities, even while we're here in in a bubble and even after the season. Yeah, no, I, I mean, first of all, I mean, you you do influence a lot of other people. When you talk to people, people will listen. When I talk to people, not necessarily so. So I want you all to recognize how much power you have. In, um, in talking just to, to other people on how much other people respect you and listen to you uh, and and know how courageous you are and that you're also, uh, you know, influencers. Um, and and I, 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 I am so grateful uh, for all that you've already done around public health. Cause you know, a lot of people don't make the connection uh, between sports and, and public health messages. And, and you've been sort of leading the way for a long time on this. Um, that, you know, I guess my, um, my ask would be, um, you know, you all speak from the heart and you all are doing an amazing job um, keeping yourselves, your family, and your community safe. And I think anything you can do to amplify uh, how you're getting through this and the kinds of decisions you're making, um, as hard as they are, I, I think helps other people understand that um, they too can, can get through this. They too can do this work. They too can be part of the solution um and you know i think every time you get out there you play your games um people see how strong you are how powerful you are um and i think it, it gives people hope like um we're all in this together and i love the analogy because you, know, you are a team um and and you play like a team and you think like a team and that's part of what we need out here <laughs> you know we need everyone to think that we're all part of a team and that we got to play like a team and think like a team um, so I, I just, you know, I just really applaud you for what you're doing. And I, I do hope, you know, like you can reach out to me or people on my team anytime you want. We're always happy to support your work um, and your messaging. And, you know, we're really here to be of service for you. So let us know if you need us to do work uh, in a different way or show up uh, differently, because uh, we, we like that kind of uh, constructive feedback about, you know, how could we be better at being a health department? So. Um, our job is to be of service, so you let us know how we could support you. 
Dr. Fur, thank you so much. I learned, and I know I speak for NECA and Derek when I say we learned so much just being a part of this conversation. Um, you know, the LA Sparks were not just about wearing t-shirts, we're about action plan. And you taught us so much of how we can make a difference just even while we're playing basketball. Um, obviously, if anybody else wants information, you can go to laquits.com for more information on tobacco and vaping products and to stop smoking, as well as with COVID-19, wear your mask, wash your hands, continue to abide by the guidelines, socially distant, uh, just listen, because we all really want this, this to be over. And um, so I really appreciate Thank you, you very much. taking time I'm, for I'm us I'm honored to have been part of this conversation. So thanks, Amelia. Don't forget, we're available on your favorite directories, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, iHeart, and TuneIn. Thank you for all your support. Please share this show with everybody you know. We would love to have as many people hear what we're sharing as possible. If you're interested in advertising on this show, we'd love to have you be part of it. Contact Believe at Believe.com. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at SweetBaby24. And you can follow Stacy Pates on Instagram and Twitter at Stacy Pates. Thank you for listening to this episode of Believe in Sparks on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Sydney Weiss for Stacy Pates. And go Sparks! mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.